Hey, everybody, this is Kara Kirsch, host of Ignite Women in Insurance and Business podcast. Today's episode was absolutely fantastic. You don't want to miss it. Our guest, Mary Margaret Irish, joined us. She's the CEO of Savvy, which is a tech company that's supporting employers with delivering a personalized healthcare benefit experience to their employees. She shares her story from growing up in a small town to leaning into her confidence and becoming the CEO and entrepreneur of her own company. She shares some of her lessons learned and um, just her energy and excitement about women in business is super powerful. You do not want to miss this episode. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Kara Kirsch, your host of the Ignite Women in Insurance and Business podcast. I hope everyone is having a fantastic week. It's Friday here in Omaha, Nebraska. We are battling some weather. There's a little blizzard condition outside, so we're snuggled up inside. Um, but we're very excited about this conversation that we are going to have today uh, with my friend, Mary Margaret Irish. Mary Margaret, good morning. Good morning. Yeah, my name's a mouthful, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it sure is. Probably don't so, get a, a ton of double namers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I love it because it, um, and I don't know if I've ever asked you this, but it just screams uh, Irish Catholic. Big time. Yeah. Well, Big my, time. uh, it's funny because my, uh, maiden name was Nelson. And then when I married my husband, you know, I just added kind of the cherry on top with that name. So <laughs> love it. Love it. Well, um, I was thinking back to when we first met and I think it was a couple years ago and we had coffee in our office at Gallagher. You were so sweet. You brought, you know, the little carrying thing of coffee and your coffee cups and you had the creamer and everything. And, um, you just, you made an impression on me at that time. And I've always thought highly of you. So I'm really excited for our listeners to hear more from you, um, today and learn about Mary Margaret and what you're doing and what lessons you've learned that you can share with our listeners. So to give you a little bit of a background, um, and you know this a little because you were at our conference last year, but in 2018, I founded Ignite Women in Insurance rebranded last year to include women in business. So now it's all women in insurance and business because the feedback I was getting was that more women wanted to participate. And um, so we rebranded it. And then I decided that it would be great to have a podcast that accompanied it that kind of aligned with some of the themes that Ignite um, promotes. So this year, our conference is all about confidence. So um, leaning into your confidence in whatever way that might mean for you, and then sharing stories of confidence that other women can take those and continue to grow in their own confidence. You know, it's funny because when I, I tell people a lot that when I, I, and I think I said this on my last episode, when I hear someone say she's bossy about a little girl, I always say she's a leader. And I don't think that we instill enough confidence in our young women so that when they go out into the world, they believe truly that they can accomplish whatever they want. So this podcast is really about that. Yeah, I love that. I love that we're focused on confidence because, I mean, Carrie, you can you definitely know this, how much confidence it takes to achieve goals, to do big things. 
And just ultimately, you know, the workforce being a woman, woman, you better come out there uh, really believing in yourself. And one of the biggest things that I've learned about confidence is securing a very solid kind of group of women around me for when you do have those days where, and everybody has them, where, you know, confidence is waning and you need somebody that kind of, you can tap their shoulder and be like, Hey, you know, it's one of those days where I'm just kind of like feeling overwhelmed or feeling just, you know, like I'm lacking confidence today. So that that's honestly kind of what I've always considered you. I came to the Omaha market, you know, I'd been gone for a lot of years. I was reestablishing my network there. To be honest, the first time going back to your, uh, you know, when I first brought in my coffee, um, you know, Carrie, you're a, you're a big deal in the Midwest. And it was one of those where it was a little bit daunting calling. You never know what to expect. And it was such an amazing experience uh, because I think it was you and Molly and I came in and was nervous and right away it was like pure acceptance and just, Hey, we are, we love that you're coming in here to talk to us. You're unabashed. And that was just really, really wonderful. And that was such a nice thing to come back into the Omaha community. Cause it kind of reminded me like, this is what's special about Nebraska, Omaha and kind of the, the network of women that exists there. I totally agree. Totally agree. And you know, what's, fun, what's um, not funny, but interesting about that is, um, in my younger career, I probably wasn't as inviting as I am now. And that's something that I try to teach other younger women is just to say, there's no reason for you to, you know, hoard information, not allow other women at the table, think that you need to be the only one. There's no power in that. Um, there's more power in, uh, numbers And that's why we see uh, men escalate themselves so much quicker than women traditionally. And so I care about that deeply. So I'm glad that I'm glad that you came and you were brave enough to do that because I'm sure it was daunting to be like, okay, where the heck am I going and who am I going to be dealing with? Yeah. Um, So let's start uh, a little journey here, Mary Margaret. So tell us about you personally. Where did you grow up? Um, what's the dynamic of your life today? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I'm a Midwestern girl. Um, actually originally grew up, was born in North Dakota. Um, so my family is all around the Midwest, which is great. So I have kind of that support portion, uh, but I'm the youngest of four. Uh, so I'm kind of that stubborn kid, if you will, (laughs) and also the black sheep of my family, certainly. Um, but Really, at this point, in my my husband and I have been married four years. Uh, he's an attorney. He's also a fellow entrepreneur. I, I like to jokingly say that we both kind of jumped off the cliff in squirrel suits at the same time uh, into our journeys of entrepreneurship. And then, kind of uh, from a personal standpoint, I uh, this is a big pride point for me. I am the aunt of ten nieces and nephews, and uh, you know, I you know how you're always. I I love being a wife first. But my second favorite thing ever is being an aunt. It's like, I absolutely love it because I think I'm a kid at heart, to be honest. Um, And then kind of outside of, you know, work and family, I am a big outdoor person. I love to garden and I'm kind of a person that anything you can do on the water is my happy place. Mm. When's your birthday? February 11th. So coming up. Are you, so what's your sign? I'm an Aquarius. Is Aquarius a water sign? Do you know? It's an air sign. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Cause like the, like the, whatever it is, signal, or I don't even know, like yeah. identifier is the water bearer. 
Oh, interesting. So I didn't used to pay a lot of attention to this. What's your sign and what does it mean? Kind of a thing, but my daughter is super into it. And so I ask people a lot because water is my happy place too. So any water, it can be like, there was, um, anytime I feel stressed, the first thing I do is take a shower or bath Mm -hmm. because it's like the water just, it does something. I love the beach. I love the lake. I lived in Minnesota as a kid. And so we spent a lot of time um, at the beach. My mom would take us. Um, and so I, I love, I love, it's no wonder that we have good synergy because both Midwestern girls, I'm the oldest. Okay. And also a little bit of the black sheep and also a little like uncontrollable. <laughs> and I have one nephew. Okay. That's it. Yeah. Um, and I love the outdoors. Love, love, love the outdoors, love the water. Um, and the thing about you that, you know, if people ask me sometimes, well, Kara, what's your biggest regret? I don't really have any regrets about life because I feel like every day you get a chance to do something new. But on being an entrepreneur is something that I um I wish I would have done in a more active way. I have three kids, as you know, and I raised them 100% by myself. So I really needed the stability of a career Mm -hmm. in order to provide for them. And, you know, I would never trade any of that for anything, but being an entrepreneur is something that I'm deeply passionate about for other women and for my own kids. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, kids are just such a, what I, what I always do with my nieces and nephews and kids in general is, you know, once you're in, you're focused on a career, you're focused on all these responsibilities. It's, it's always been a really nice, you know, bringing you back to what is important. And I feel like children really have this ability to kind of be on like the bright side of things. So it's always been a very friendly reminder of like, Hey, you know, this is what's important and take a second to remember to be happy and be focused on all the great things. So that's what I get from my nieces and nephews. That's why I consider myself kind of part of their crew. I'm that aunt who can definitely get down on their level. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing you said is you're a kid at heart. I totally am. I'm 50, but I'm pretty immature. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Well, I'm like this mature person. And then I'm like this person that's like, I want to get crazy, you know, you know? Um, And so I love that too. Tell me about um, your career trajectory. So, you know, where'd you go to college? How'd you kind of get started? Were there any people in your career early on or even now that have inspired you to want to do the great things that you're doing? Yeah, I have about the most, well, and I think most people are like this, you, you know, you go to college for a certain thing and then you absolutely take a different path. But kind of how mine started is I mentioned I'm from North Dakota. So I, uh, I've always been a runner. Um, I've always been super competitive. So running was a great kind of initial arena to channel that. So my goal out of high school was figuring out how to get my college paid for. Um, and you know, I'd lived in a fairly small town. So Omaha was the huge city. So I'm actually uh, a Mav, uh, UNO Mavericks, uh, loved my there. Yeah. Ran track and cross country. And one of the big things that was cool about going to UNO is nobody from my high school went there. So I really looked at it as an opportunity to, you know, start over, turn the page and really an opportunity to who do I actually want to be in college and moving forward. Um, So that's how I got to Omaha. And, 
you know, I, I went into political science and thought I wanted to go to law school and do all, all of that. I uh, ended up talking with uh, some friends and family and their advice was, don't go into that. It's not going to be a great fit for your skill set. You know, everybody looks at law and order and it's like, oh, yeah, that's what it's going to be. And like, no, the majority of your time is going to be uh, reading, research. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. That doesn't sound dynamic enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so from there, really, I, I kind of didn't know exactly what I want to do, wanted to do, which I think is fairly common for people when you come out of college. So I actually worked for a company called Heartland Family Service in Omaha, and I got into fundraising, which was really interesting. And it was kind of my initial move into sales. And people often look at sales as kind of a, you know, a, ooh, salespeople, they're slimy. But my view of sales, it, it's the most important skill that one can learn in life, period, because it really teaches you how to interact with people, how to educate, how to storytell, and how to connect. So it was really a good fit for me. Um, so once my tenure at Heartland Family Service ended, I actually got into advertising sales. So uh, I worked at WOWT and oh. then Care 11 in Minneapolis. Great experiences. Uh, and after kind of that tenure, that's really when I started into startups. Um, and, you know, the big portion really of my career altogether has been my tenure at DoorDash. Um, I was a really early employee there, did everything under the sun. It was an incredible education, Um, stayed one year post IPO, which uh, was a great experience, although I will say they're extremely stressful and I would not wish it on my worst enemy. In fact, my hair started falling out. It was so stressful, but very happy I had the experience. Um, And then, you know, after that, uh, I took about a three month sabbatical and didn't really know what I wanted to do, but had the, and I'm kind of a person that always chases things I, I haven't done before. I am naturally a person that I like to problem solve. I like to kind of stretch my ability. So I had the opportunity to step in as CEO at a third party administrator. And that's when we got to know each other, Kara. And um, it was funny because it couldn't have been a more um, abrupt shift, if you will. So going from DoorDash, which was a hyper growth startup um, to a 36 year old company that was very well established, that was, uh, you know, somewhat had their ways set. This is what they wanted to do. I wasn't the most popular person because I was a person that asked, why are we doing it that way? Is there a better way? How do we better be better at what we're doing? Um, But I learned a ton, which was extremely valuable. And that's ultimately, you know, why I founded Savvy and why I'm doing what I'm doing today, which is I'm really, really thankful for. Yeah. Well, I want to dive into Savvy in just a second, but there were a few things that you said that, I mean, it's funny. Every time I talk to someone on my podcast, I learn things about them that I'm like, damn, it's no wonder we just, it's almost as if no time passes when we talk because there are so many parallels. I almost went to law school. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> I took the LSAT without studying. Like who even does that? <laughs> oh man. Oh, I just walk in there like, okay, I've got this, you know, like what? Yeah, um, when, I, when I was do- taking the LSAT, I remember vividly, you know, sitting in there and like, have your water bottle. You have yeah. 20 seconds to go to the bathroom during the test. And I remember we sat down, we're halfway through. And I remember a guy walked out and it was just this 
dynamic shift in the energy where everybody goes, oh boy, right? Yeah, this is heavy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was an idiot. And the other thing is I went to nursing school. I don't know if you knew that, but I failed miserably. So I grew up in a small town too. And small towns are amazing. I love them. My whole heart is in my small town where I grew up. Um, And one of the things it does, well, it does a, a few things for women like us. It builds confidence because you are pushed to do things that you don't know how to do. Yeah. So like, they're like, oh, we need, you know, more clarinet players. Hey, Kara, you can play the clarinet. You know, we need more people to whatever it might be. Oh, Mary Margaret, you're going to do that. Mm-hmm. And so pretty soon you think to yourself, oh, I can do anything. And when I moved to Omaha to go to college, I believed at that time that I could. And I was quickly squashed um, by the world in just, you know, I failed out of nursing school. I struggled so much. Um, my parents didn't go to college. So I was the first, uh, in our family to go. And, you know, my parents were fantastic parents. They still are today, but they didn't know, they didn't know how to support me. They didn't know how to take this, you know, big personality full of dreams and vision and do something with that. It was, they were trying to figure out their own shit. Mm -hmm. And so, Um, small towns, very, very near and dear to my heart. And, um, the other thing that you said that, uh, really resonated was your love of sales. So, um, I love sales, but I get very offended. Tell me what you think about this. I get very offended when people say she's a great salesperson. Yeah, I I think. I just think salesperson has gotten this really bad connotation. I actually view sales as being an incredible communicator and educator. Me too. And interestingly, one of my clients has told me repeatedly, they're like, you would have been a great teacher. Yeah. But I'm like, there is nothing that I could think that would be worse than to sit. <laughs> and God bless all the teachers out there, but hell no for Kara Kirsch. Uh-uh. Yeah, well, I definitely, teachers are saints. They are saints and I can't. Yeah, I, uh, I I do. One of the things that like I'm always continually working on, and probably something to do with being the youngest child, is patience. I am a you know I'm I'm continually working on like gaining patience because that's a big piece of trying to achieve anything that's hard. Yeah, you want it to happen immediately. But you know, one of the big learnings, and I'm always trying to do this kind of reflecting back, is nothing happens as fast as you want it to, and there is a degree of patience that you must instill in yourself. Otherwise, honestly, you'll drive yourself crazy. Totally. One of the things that I tell, so at Gallagher, um, one of the cool things that I got to be involved in um, late last year, and then it's going to continue is Gallagher has a fantastic intern program. And so we bring these college kids in and then they sometimes have an opportunity to join our sales team. And so um, we call them associate producers, associate consultants. And so there are four of them that work with me currently. And so the thought is that, you know, they'll learn the business from me, they'll learn how to sell from me. And then, you know, that'll kind of snowball and support me as I move to this next stage of my career. And I love it so much because I'm able, they don't report to me. I don't want anyone to report to me unless the building has my name on it, period. Sure. Because I want to drive the culture and what happens and I want complete autonomy to decide. And so if I can't have that, then I don't want to do that within the confines of any organization. It's just not for me. 
and um, they don't report to me. And so I can be me. I can be my direct self. I can um, be excited and passionate without them being like, Ooh, she's a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I can, I can be me. That's the part I guess that I love the most. But one of the things that I've been working with all of them to instill is every opportunity you have to speak with someone, your only goal is to get a second opportunity to speak with them. You're never going to close a piece of business in one say one call, right? Never. It's happened to me one time in consulting since 2014. So it just doesn't go like that. And the more patience you can instill in yourself around staying focused on not closing, but getting a second opportunity to have a conversation. And then from there. And I think um, once I started to talk about that more, they were all like, oh, sort of pressure relieved because in their eyes, they're thinking, oh, it's a, you know, kind of slam, bam, thank you, ma'am, get me to the next thing. That's not how it works. And when you take your time, it really builds this uh, rapport with prospective clients where they're like, wow, this person really wants to make sure that I understand what I'm getting and that the value is there and those kinds of things. So that's the part I love sales. In 2020, I did a ton of research and introspective work on sales how people view salespeople, how you can break down those barriers, sort of, I call them, um, uh, the word's not coming to me, but it's like um, questions that are challenging without feeling challenging. So one of the statements I use a lot is, I'm curious. Yeah. I'm curious. You spend $4 million on healthcare. How much do you, com- how much do you spend communicating the value of that? Mm-hmm. And then they're always like, shit, nothing or $2,000. And I'll say, well, don't you think it would be worth $10,000 to communicate the value of $4 million to your employee population? Right. When you put it like that, people are like, oh, you know. So I think I love I love that. And I love it that you said sales is about educating, storytelling and connecting. I, too, agree with that. So t- let's dive into your business yeah. venture, Savvy. So talk to me about that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, like I said, you know, where I ended up kind of cutting my teeth in employee benefits and insurance was by way of a third party administrator. Um, so it gave me an opportunity to really dive in, drink from a fire hose and take a look at where there were a lot of opportunities just for a better system, if you will, and a better way of doing business. And that's where Savvy came about. So kind of during my quest to get um, educated, to really understand the industry, I started thinking about it from kind of the perspective of future benefit users and how I wanted to interact with my benefits and how um, kind of just the upcoming healthcare users would. And that's kind of where Savvy was born. So really what our platform does is we're a technology platform, AI enabled, that ultimately allows an employer to offer a personalized healthcare experience to their employees. And how we do that is by way of a new type of HRA, which is called an individual coverage health reimbursement arrangement. That's a huge word. We love our acronyms. Health savings account. Yeah, we love our acronyms so much. Yeah. And honestly, the, you know, the, the beauty of it is 
employees for the first time in this model have power of choice. Um, but, you know, the big thing with that, and we're very aware of it, is you have power of choice, but we as kind of a U.S. healthcare system have been historically not engaged with this. So what our mission is, is to empower employees to make educated healthcare decisions. And all, what we're very cognizant of, again, is that that's not just unleashing technology on people. It's pairing up technology to do what it does best with licensed advisors to do what they do best. So I think there's kind of a marrying of those two systems that's going to be able to really equip, equip the average person to be able to embrace the power of choice and, you know, just go about healthcare in a, a very different way. Kind of the historical system that I've experienced, and I'm not saying it's always this way, way is that employers are oftentimes kind of offering a one size fits all. And I got a lot of feedback oftentimes where it's like, you know, you're not addressing X, Y, and Z that's unique to me. And that's really what we're trying to do at Savvy is ensure that people have the ability to ultimately enter into insurance and in, into healthcare that fits their unique needs. Yeah. Awesome. Well, and um, the more we can create a personalized approach, right. the better it is. It's something I talk a lot to really large employers about is, you know, let's use information to make decisions that are right for your people. The other thing I think, um, I have a couple of topics in the benefits industry that I, I always say I'm on the fence on. Yeah. One of them is wellness. And it's not so much that I don't care about wellness and well-being. I absolutely do. But I feel like employers were sort of tricked into thinking that, oh, everybody gets a biometric training and your costs are going down. Um, that's just not true. People can have well-being programs and their costs not even be touched. Mm -hmm. And I just say, go in eyes wide open. The second is high deductible health plans. I think for most American families, the research I've done is that most American families don't have $500 in savings. So how in the hell do you expect them to navigate a $3,000 deductible, which by the way, is the average deductible for those types of plans across mm -hmm. the country um, for their families? It makes no sense to me. And most employers today are um, contributing less to the HSA than ever before. Right. And so- I appreciate sort of the disruption that you're going through around teaching people a different thing and um, how that might experience them. But the thing I admire most is that, you know, you're sort of, you made a new baby, you know, <laughs> your baby is the company and um, you're growing it and delivering it. And that's something that's a really important part of this podcast too is, so who's your target customer? Yeah. So our target customer um, are employers, uh, but more specifically who we work with are franchised. So specifically quick service restaurants. We find that our model is really good for them because they oftentimes struggle or have a cohort within their employee base that's fairly high turnover. Um, so that's kind of who we're focused on out of the gates. I've got very deep relationships in that segment but with my background at DoorDash. Uh, my chief Chief Operating Officer uh, was the corporate global lead for Perkins. Um, so we know that particular segment really well, um, but that's kind of who we're targeting. But ultimately, depending on the unique case of employers, 
our model could be a solution at some point in the future. I definitely don't want to position our solution as the, you know, this is it. This is the solution for everybody. But it could be a solution at some point in the future, depending on kind of, you know, where they're at with their employee benefit strategy, um, where their employee population is, and just what's important to them also as an employer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And let's just break it down in an easy term for the our listeners that um, might have people that would connect with you. So the way the tool works is just give it to me straight so that a buy person could hear it and be like, hey, my brother's company might be able to use something like that. Or I know this person over here. Yeah. So at the core of what we do is Savvy allows an employer to move into kind of a different support role as it relates to supporting their employees' healthcare. Um, so as a, opposed to doing what's called a defined benefit, so curating kind of that one size fits all for your employee base, it allows you to offer monetary stipends to them. They then go through a facilitated and personalized healthcare shopping experience via the Savvy platform to where then they can be guided through by a licensed advisor and or self-serve in a digital environment to pick the right healthcare plan that fits their needs. And the beauty of that is they can pick from any healthcare plan from any carrier in their specific area, which is great. Um, so it's really about personalization here and it allows the employer kind of to not to have to make those deeply personal decisions. Um, I know there's a lot of heartache in that. And I think there's a lot of employers that want to give that choice back, but still want to be able to support their employee base. Because we all know from a financial perspective, healthcare is expensive yes. and employees want that. It's a non-negotiable. In order to attract and retain top talent as an employer, you have to have a solid benefit offering. And this is another kind of avenue for them to consider. So if you are a person that... Um, you want to give that choice back. You think that's a good kind of thing to offer to your employee base. Savvy can be a great solution for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. So it basically, employer gives their employee money and they can purchase coverage if they need it. Exactly. The employer doesn't just give them the money. They have to purchase something in order to get the money. Exactly. Um, so which is point, the monetary stipend does need to be used to purchase an ACA compliant individual health care plan. Yep, yep. Okay, great. Well, I love all of that. And um, so Savvy's been in business. Has it been over a year? We're coming up on a year, which is wild. <laughs> yeah, I knew it was coming up because I remember, well, I didn't know that you had left your prior role. Mm -hmm. um, and I was sad about that because I thought, oh, I hope she didn't leave Omaha because I do think that there's power in numbers of women like us. Yeah. And um but I was really excited and not one bit surprised to see you do your own thing because I know you were sort of trying to take something that was long and legacy and sort of move it in a different direction. And I can speak to that personally. It's very, very hard. Yeah. When you come into an organization and you're a change agent and initially people are like, oh, yeah, that's what we want. That's what we want. And then you get in there and you start asking questions. They're like, Urgh! pause. Yeah, you're, Too you're, much. Fairly, you're fairly unpopular. I you're say. very unpopular. In fact, um, I've had one experience in my career where it wasn't a good fit. Okay. And I don't wish it didn't happen. Like it changed me for the good, but the period of time that I was in, it was so bad. I was completely removed myself almost like from interacting with my family. Cause I was so depressed, anxious, unhappy, 
And I felt like um, I I, um, describe it now as like feeling like an orange that was squeezed from the outside in. So the the orange peel didn't come off, but inside I was sort of shriveling into this nothing land. And it took me like three months after that in weekly therapy to get over it. So after I left, I was like, I'm not okay. Mm -hmm. I am not okay. And um, now, and it probably took a few years for me to even give grace to myself for the way that I had interacted. And there were several people that I had to reach back to that I cared about and said, you know, I'm really sorry for how I showed up. It wasn't me. I became something that I'm not proud of. And I think that's another thing that is super important for women to be able to do is to go back and say, you know, Hey, I didn't really give you a fair shot. Yeah. One of the things I talk a lot about is not judging a book by its cover, you know? So when I meet you and I think powerful, smart, independent entrepreneur, you know, some women are like, Oh, they won't interact because they are um, intimidated. Mm -hmm. And so I think the more we can break that down, the better also. It's funny that you mentioned that because to back to the, you know, judging a book by its cover, I think that's so true. Um, You know, oftentimes when you are, you know, a young woman working on your career, um, you know, you want to interact with, I always call them the lady bosses, you know, those that have gone through that, they're at kind of the top of their career, they're operating in the the C-suite or whatever that looks like for them. There's this trepidation about, Um, you know, are they even going to pay attention to me? How do I approach where it doesn't seem cheesy? And I actually had that experience the other day where um, Savvy just took on a strategic advisor. And this woman is an absolute lady boss. I, you know, founded several companies, has had them acquired. And I was so nervous to reach out to her because I'm like, she's not going to talk to me. This is kind of futile, but I'll put it out there. And I was amazed at like, once you get to a certain career, and I've heard this before, where, you know, there's like this shift that happens where you're very interested in kind of, you know, being consultative, talking to people because you've been through that hard stuff and you want to give back. You kind of want to be able to help people avoid the potholes, if you will. And I, I, I even see that in my career where other startup founders or other people that are navigating, I actually get a, a lot of kind of, you know, warmth out of that where I'm like, Hey, I appreciate that. I know it took a lot to, to reach out because you don't know me and it's a little scary, but in the end, like you're doing exactly what you should be doing. And Hey, here's some pointers or here's some connections I can make for you because to your point, your network kind of building everybody up, giving everybody at a seat at a seat at the table is so much more powerful. So much. Um, one thing you said, you said, um, we run through potholes. Do you know what I call, I call that I got bloodied. I got bloodied throughout my career by women and men. And, you know, um, recently I had an interaction at work where, uh, we had someone who, um, decided to pursue a different opportunity, but she was really great. Mm -hmm. And someone else was saying something negative about her. And I just was like, I shut that shit down. I was like, that person was great. She did a good job. We're moving on. And never again has a word been said. And I wish people would do that more. Um, You know, keep young women from getting bloodied because of, you know, whatever someone else is feeling. Um, 
what lessons have you learned that you might uh, pass on to our listeners? Oh my gosh, so many. But I actually, I, I put some thought into this. I think the, the biggest lessons is, you know, kind of twofold. The first one is going again back to confidence. It's kind of a, a forever lesson. It's forever keeping in mind that you have to have confidence in yourself to do big things, whether that's achieving goals, whether that's starting a company, whether that's, you know, raising a family, whatever that looks like. It is just so critical to do that. So kind of the lesson I've learned is in order to keep that confidence, one thing that's really been helpful to me is to reflect. So oftentimes, you know, we're driving, driving, we're climbing the mountain. You do need to take time to reflect back on all the things you've accomplished. There's look at how much ground you've made up. And we have a tendency not to do that. And that was something that really I learned at DoorDash. Our CEO there was very much like, we have done a ton in a short amount of time, even though we're moving fast. And we're going to celebrate these wins because, you know, oftentimes you're going to, you're climbing the mountain forever because you're always continually wanting to grow. So that was a big lesson of mine is be sure to reflect on how far you've come. It makes a big difference because you can often, especially when going navigating something difficult, can get kind of hopeless, this hopeless feeling uh, because it's just the next challenge in front of you. But reflect on all the things that you've overcome. And then all of a sudden that challenge in front of you, you know, you're like, I got this. Yes, that was awesome. I totally agree. hundred percent. You know, it's, um, it reminds me when I, uh, I've never had to do my resume cause I've always been recruited, which I know is a huge blessing and I'm so grateful. Um, but when I left the job that didn't work out for me, I was there for two years and I thought, you know what, I'm going to work on my resume. All these companies were calling me. So I really didn't need to, but I felt like at that time I needed to do it. So I hired someone and they interviewed me to like, you know, what do you want your resume to be on? Blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm in sales. And he, and he was like, well, tell me about your stats. And so I told him, he went away, built the resume, sent it back to me. I read it and I was like, holy shit, I can't use this. <laughs> like, this is way too braggadocious. And so I called him. I'm like, yeah, we got to simmer this down. We can't, you can't say a hundred million. Like, that's a lot, <laughs> you know? And he was like, but that's what you did, right? And I said, yeah. And he's like, then that's what we're using that's what you're going to put on your LinkedIn profile. And I'm like, for the love of God. But now I absolutely will say out loud, I was number one on the leaderboard. This is what I did because that builds confidence for me to continue to get up and do the grind every day. Yeah, absolutely. So, and we do so many hard things that we don't give ourselves credit for the hard things that we do and the value that they bring to ourselves and others. So I love that lesson. That's awesome. Um, okay. Well, as we kind of wrap up today, uh, first tell our listeners how they can get in touch with Mary Margaret. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you can reach out at our website, which is www.savii.ai. Um, okay. So yeah, I mean, my big thing is I'm, I'm kind of an ever learner. So I'm always looking to understand, especially in what we do. Uh, whether it's employee benefits or uh, employers, I'm always looking to understand kind of what are the pain points people are going through. Um, and, and that's just, again, I love connecting on that. I love understanding and kind of looking through what are the various ways we can improve, uh, not only for employers, but the indus health industry overall. 
Awesome. How did the name Savvy come about? Yeah, absolutely. So it was kind of a funny thing. You know, when you start searching those business records, um, all of a sudden you realize that like every name ever is taken. And you go through this thing where you're like, oh man, should I just pick some sort of random crazy name? Um, but I really liked Savvy because the idea behind enabling people to make educated healthcare decisions, I'm like, well, those, you know, making somebody a savvy shopper. But of course, you know, every version of Savvy was taken. So once I kind of started drawing out the actual logo, I really ended up liking kind of the double I. Um, and that's kind of the story of it is I love the idea of being a savvy shopper. And, and uh, you know, we ended up just going with kind of a different play on the spelling. Awesome. Great. So let me ask uh, just a couple of lightning round questions and then we'll wrap up for today. First and foremost, just thanks. This conversation has been awesome. I can't wait to um, for our listeners to hear more from you. You're just, you are fabulous. Same. I really appreciate the opportunity. This is, this was super fun. Awesome. I love this so much. Okay. A favorite book right now. Nudge. Nudge. Okay, good. Any favorite podcasts that you're listening to? Podcast today. Honestly, right now I'm in the hunt for a good podcast because I have a ton of windshield time. So I'm kind Me of too. between like audio books and kind of short, you know, podcast-esque lengths. So I've been kind of going between three or four of them that are industry specific and then ones that are kind of just more fun listening. Yeah. I can't say that there's one right now where I'd be like, put this out there, tune in. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have one either. I have a few in my library that I follow, but nothing um, crazy. But I will tell you, last year I had a goal of reading 100 books. Oh, I love that. And I got about 60. Mm-hmm. Um, because in this, I forgot when I set the goal out, cause I was like, oh, this is how many books it is per month, per week, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I don't read that. I don't read as much in the summer sure, because sure. I'm outside. And, but I do listen. And so anyway, that's what, what's I'm, your preference. Are you an audiobook or are you a physical book reader? Both. But okay. audi- I would say I do more audiobook than um, physical book because I like to listen when I'm doing things around my house or when I'm working in the yard. You know, a lot of people listen to music. I love music so much and I do listen to it also. But I love podcasts and audiobooks when I work like yeah you know, I'm cooking and I'm listening to a book or I, and the other thing is I started listening to more fiction over the past couple of years. Um, of course I love, uh, professional development, um, so much. In fact, there was one book that I was thinking of while you were talking and, uh, it's not on my bookshelf right now, but, um, I'll think of it and I'll send it to you. And I love the, the concept of like momentum. Yeah. So, what happens when you focus on something and then all of a sudden pretty much it starts to snowball the compound effect. That's what it's called. And it's fantastic. Um, And then lastly, what's the most exciting thing you're doing in your life right now? Yeah, I would say the most exciting thing that I'm doing in my life right now is honestly, um, this is may sound cheesy, but I think what's really exciting for me is now that I've kind of gone and I'm doing savvy and going out on my own, I'm really trying to prioritize family. Um, So what's been really exciting about that is having the opportunity now to be much more involved with my nieces and nephews daily lives. Um, Because one of the things I started noticing and, and kind of 
my time in that, at that third party administrators, I was so having to be there and, you know, right on it every single second due to all the employees that um, I had to choose a lot to forego family events. So now that I have the flexibility to work from wherever I want to, even though I'm working, uh, I have the ability to go to their events and see what they're doing. So that's really, really exciting to me to be able to re-engage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm proud of you for deciding to do that. That's one of my other, um, when I look back on my life and the decisions that I made, I I chose to have a career that was growing rapidly and raise three children. I didn't, you know, I did great and I failed at things. And now that my children are adults, we talk about that and sort of the choices that you have to make as a mother and father, if that's your situation um, in raising children and providing the kind of a life that you want for them to have so that they can thrive and grow. And that's never easy and it takes a village. So the fact that you're stepping in and supporting your siblings and, you know, your husband's siblings, if that's the case also is um, something that it's important for our listeners to hear. You can be the CEO and go to your nieces and nephews volleyball games. You can be the CEO and take every Friday morning to have breakfast with your nephew. You know what I mean? And the more that we can break that barrier down that women don't have to choose, that you can do multiple things. You can't have it all. I used to think, oh, you can have it all. And you can have portions of it all at certain times, Mm -hmm. but you can't have it all at once. And um, so that's a great, that's a really exciting thing. I love my nephew too. He's so much fun. He goes to ASU. And when I go to Phoenix, um, I see him. So the last time I went there, um, we had lunch. So he brings a buddy. And so we're having lunch and I'm like, well, what do you need? Can I like take you grocery shopping or, you know, do you want to go to Target? Da, da, da. And he's like, yeah, I can use some, some laundry detergent. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, well, I'll just give you some money for that. Like that sounds terribly boring. So I gave him a hundred bucks and he's like, that's my drinking money for the weekend. And I'm like, and there you go. So, um, I just love him so much. He's, he is an amazing, amazing human. And um, so I definitely can understand. Well, this has been fantastic. I'm so excited to have um, our listeners hear more from Mary Margaret. You're amazing, fabulous. Um, All the things, all the awesome words I can use to describe you. I want to do. So for all of our listeners, if you're out there, Uh, make sure that you click that subscribe button so that you know when new podcast episodes are launched. You can find us on all the social media sites, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And I don't have a TikTok page yet because I don't really know how to do TikToks, but to come someday. Um, And I just want to say to everybody out there, uh, you know, lean into your confidence, take some time to reflect on all of the hard things that you've done. Um, If you're a woman that is working towards being an entrepreneur, don't be afraid to reach out to either myself or Mary Margaret to say, what what should I do? Because if we can't help you, we will find someone who will. Mary Margaret, do you agree? Oh, without a doubt. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. A Huda Media Production.